Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Nehemiah chapter 3 tonight. And I'm going to, uh, even before I get to the reading, apologize for my absolute, utter atrociousness at, uh, at pronouncing many of the names in this passage. Uh, I'm not even going to read the whole chapter because of uh, that fact, but, uh, but I just wanted to say that up uh, ahead of time. I also wanted to uh, publicly thank Pastor for stealing half my message for tonight. Uh, on Sunday night, I told him that on Monday, I was like, you, you took like literally half of what I was going to say uh, on Thursday. And, uh, and so with that, I got to cut out that half. So we'll be out in about 15 minutes tonight. But I'm no, just teasing. You, you're not that lucky. Uh, but but uh, with that being said, the fact that uh, I was already planning on teaching this exact passage to the kids. Uh, this is actually for the kids exactly what we we're going to learn this week. If, we did, if I wasn't uh, preaching up here, we'd be doing this down in kids' class tonight and continuing in looking at Israel's history. And so the fact that I was already planning on uh, teaching this to the kids for a few months now, just because it's in the course of our series in Israel's history, and the fact that Pastor, ahead of time, uh, planning through our series for Sunday night, was already planning on uh, preaching that message on Sunday night, uh, just goes to show me that the Lord has this for us this week. It's uh, something that we need to get a hold of. And so uh, this uh, message today, just uh, really solidifying and and adding on to, uh, and just giving some practical legs even to uh, what we already heard Sunday night. And if you weren't here for Sunday night's message, I encourage you to go listen to it uh, online. It's a great message and, uh, and definitely will uh, just go hand in hand with what we're going to look at tonight. So Nehemiah uh, chapter 3, and uh, we're going to be starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with the brethren, the priests, or with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Maah, they sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and next to them builded Zakur, the son of Imri. But the fish gate did the sons of Hassanah build, who also laid the beams thereof, and set up, set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz. And next unto them repaired Meshulam, and son of, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel. And next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Banan. It just continues to go on that this person built and this person built and this person built. Uh, starting in verse 1, we saw that they started at the sheep gate. And if you go to the last verse of chapter 3 in verse 32, it says, And between the going up of the corner, so they started at a sheep gate, and if you were to read the whole chapter, it would get each section of the wall of Jerusalem who built it from the sheep gate going all the way around the city to the corner now here, headed back to the sheep gate. That's what it says. Between the going up of the corner, back unto the sheep gate, repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. And really just a chapter uh, that just gives us information. 
It just tells us exactly uh, who was there, what part of the uh, wall they built. And, uh, and I believe that because of seeing this, uh, that there, there's a great application for us uh, within the body of Christ. And so I, I hope we'll see that tonight. But before we dive too much into the message, uh, let's say a quick word of prayer. Ask the Lord to bless this time together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much, uh, Lord, for your goodness to us. And uh, Lord, just for loving us. Thank you for the truths of the songs we've got gotten all ready to sing tonight. Uh, Lord, you're on high. Uh, you are Messiah. We thank you so much for what you've done for us uh, as our Savior. And we pray, God, that tonight uh, that you continue the work in us and through us uh, by uh, hearing from your word. We pray that you'd speak to us in a great way. Lord, give us something that we can apply and help us to do just that, not to be just hearers of the word, uh, but Lord, that we would be, apply it and be doers. God, we pray that you'd bless this time, be in everything that's said and done the rest of this service. We prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you, uh, have you ever heard that saying, teamwork makes the dream work? Teamwork makes the dream work? Uh, I used to hear it all the time when I was growing up in, uh, in grade school, and almost every coach who was a teacher in my middle school and also in my high school, uh, they, they all had a poster somewhere in their classroom that said just that. Teamwork makes the dream work. Well, what, what's that little catchy statement saying? What's it trying to tell us? It's, it's simply saying that in order to reach a goal, uh, it works better when everyone's working together. Um, they use the saying all the time in sports because no sport is just about one player. Uh, there may be one player that seems to stand out among the rest, uh, but strip that superstar player of his teammates and he wouldn't be able to win any games whatsoever. Uh, he needs his teammates. Everyone has a job to do that helps the team as a whole fulfill the dream. I think of this Sunday, two teams going to fulfill their dream of winning a Super Bowl. It's going to take every single one of them uh, as a player to work together. And I bring that up because in Nehemiah chapter 3, we see the people of Jerusalem coming together, and almost every one of them does their part in making the vision of Jerusalem's walls being rebuilt a reality. And they work together to do this. But uh, before we get really even to that, I want to catch you up to speed with the kids. So the kids, they, you know, we've been going through this series for, my goodness, probably four years now <laughs> of Israel's history on Thursday nights. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, I was already planning on teaching this passage, like I said, to the kids. And so uh, I, I decided I would continue in our series. And so we've been going through Israel's history and uh, the, the kids, they're already on board with what's happened before this, but I want to get all of you adults uh, on the same page as well. So let me recap with you uh, for, for just a little bit on Israel's history. In the beginning, God created that. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm not going that far back. <laughs> not going that far back. <laughs> but, uh, but I really do want to get us all on the same page. So in Israel's history, of course, we know that they would ask for a king and that God would give it to them in Saul and then King Saul... After him, David would become king, and David's son Solomon would then become king and would build up the temple of God uh, in the capital city of Jerusalem. However, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, would end up taking some bad advice, and as a result, the kingdom would split into two. Um, now, now, kids, I need your help with uh, tonight to kind of get the adults on the same page. What were the two split, uh, the names of the two places that were split? Micah? The northern kingdom was? Do you remember? Israel, and the southern one was Judea, Judea Judah, okay, Judea, Ju Judah, and so it was split into two kingdoms, and, uh, and long story short, 
not all of the kings that ruled these two kingdoms were uh, righteous. Not all of them were, uh, were godly kings. In fact, Israel really never had, the northern kingdom really never had a godly king. Uh, and because of the sin of the people, both kingdoms were judged by God and fell to another world power. Israel was taken into captivity by Assyria. And, uh, and Judah, because of a godly king named Hezekiah, lasted a little bit longer, but ultimately they were taken over and, and taken into captivity by Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, now that would take us into the book of Daniel that uh, even Pastor preached uh, some on this past Sunday morning. Now, when this happened, when Nebuchadnezzar uh, came and took over Jerusalem and, and the Babylonians took uh, into captivity uh, the area of Judah's, and uh, they, they tore down many of the walls of Jerusalem and burned the gates. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar even stole some of the items from the temple uh, to use to worship their own gods, which didn't really work out for them. If you read the book of Daniel later on, some of the things they were using from the temple, uh, God didn't like that. And um, that's a whole other story if you look at Darius and everything. But, uh, but when Nebuchadnezzar and the kingdom of Babylon took over, they took the the best and the brightest of the young men also with them. And we would know, of course, four of those as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were taken and, uh, and uh, really taken to a high place in the kingdom of Babylon as uh, some of the, the um, wise men and the uh, people that Nebuchadnezzar would go to to find advice and things like that uh, because of uh, really, I mean, I'm not going to recap the whole book of Daniel, but I believe all of that happened truly because of their walk with God. And, uh, and the Lord just lifted them up, just as it, it says in uh, the New Testament, that those who humble themselves in the sight of the Lord will be lifted up by God. And I believe that's what happened with Daniel and with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And like I said, I'm not going to take the time to go through the, all the events of the book of Daniel, but suffice to say this, they're in captivity for a while. Um, long enough, in fact, that the Medo-Persian Empire takes over and the people of Israel are now subject to them. Uh, we know this because the Bible tells us about King Darius, the Persian Empire, and all of that. And another king that ruled from the Persian Empire was a man named Ahasuerus. And uh, some of you may recognize that name from a Pastor's Esther series not too long ago, the king there uh, in the book of Esther. And uh, without recapping the whole series of Esther that Pastor went through, uh, I'll just say this. At the end of the book, the decree that all the Jews would be put to death was taken away, and the Jewish people rejoiced because of it. Now, once all of this happened, some of the Jews desired to go back to their homeland. And there were three different men that led groups of Jewish people back to Jerusalem. Uh, the first man was named Zerubbabel. The second man was named Ezra. We know him from the book of the Bible called Ezra. And uh, while all of this was taking place, there's uh, prophets that were prophesying to the nation of Israel. I think of Haggai and prophesying to the people and telling them that they've let God's city and specifically God's house, the temple, uh, lay desecrated, lay waste for too long. And uh, then we get, uh, along with all of that happening, then we get to the book of Nehemiah. And now Nehemiah would be the third person to bring more Jewish uh, people back to the Holy Land. And we will see that here in just a minute. Uh, but in the first chapter, Nehemiah, he's talking to some friends. 
uh, that are from Jerusalem. And he says, hey, how's, how's the hometown? How's everything going? And they just lay it out for him uh, that it's not going good. Uh, the, the walls are broken down. The, the gates are, are burned up. And, uh, and it's just terrible right now. And it, it disheartens Nehemiah uh, a lot. Uh, so much so that his boss, at some point in the, on the job, uh, Nehemiah was the king, Artaxerxes, uh, his cupbearer, and some some day one day he's on the job, and Artaxerxes realizes that Nehemiah is very sad. He asks him about it, and Nehemiah says, "Well, the place where my fathers, my ancestors are buried, my home, my homeland, my hometown is is just desecrated." And and I, it, how could I not be sad? Is really what Nehemiah says there. And uh, long story short, and I know some of you are thinking too late already. Uh, long story short, uh, Artaxerxes says, well, uh, Nehemiah, what do you need to rebuild the, the walls? And he sends him back, and, uh, and just definitely the Lord there using the king of Persia to help rebuild his city. Uh, but sends Nehemiah back, and Nehemiah, that's where the third trip comes, and he brings some more uh, Jewish people back to uh, the land. And then uh, last week, uh, in kids' class at least, we learned that when God's about to do something great, so, so here's Nehemiah about to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, God's about to do something great through these people and through Nehemiah. And last week uh, in kids' class, we learned that when God's about to do something great, the devil will always attack. I mean, we see it at the end of chapter 2 uh, that, that uh, someone comes up and starts mocking them. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to rebuild the temple and go against the king and, and starts mocking the people of God. And Nehemiah just... Uh, he, he claps back at him. He says, he's like, uh, we, we don't have to fear anything because God's on our side. He's, he's going to uh, do all of this through his power. And, uh, and so uh, we saw last week that we don't have, have to fear anything and uh, we don't have to fear those attacks by the devil because God is on our side. And that's just a wonderful thing. And then we get to chapter three. And when I read chapters in the Bible like this, uh, I don't know if you're like me, maybe I'm just too carnal, but in my Bible reading sometimes, I start to read it <laughs> and start to fall asleep, right? Because it's like name after name. After, I, I was very scared to say those names out loud. I'll just be completely honest with you. I went on my Bible app and listened to James Earl Jones say it the correct way so that I could say those names tonight. Okay, that's what I do when I get to these chapters. I just hit the audio of the Bible and just listen to it said out loud uh, so that I know what it's supposed to sound like. Uh, but but you get to chapter three and, and reading it over and, you know, Having to teach a lesson on a chapter like this, I'm like, what do I do <laughs> trying to teach kids about all this information? But the more I read this chapter, really, the more I couldn't help but think about another entity that Jesus said he would build. Uh, he wanted his city rebuilt, uh, but Jesus later in Matthew uh, said that there's another entity that he was going to build, and uh, and. He, how he would use individual people, just as individual people we see in Nehemiah chapter 3, uh, he would use them to help do it. The city, they needed each and every one of these people to rebuild the walls. And, and can I say this tonight? The church needs each and every one of us in the same way. Uh, now, I, I believe, like I said, Pastor did an excellent job of breaking down 
uh, many of the specifics about how God wants to use each and every one of us in the body of Christ on Sunday night. And again, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go listen to that message. But because of that, I'm, I'm not going to spend my time breaking all of that down for us again. I just want to get practical tonight and, and help us see how we can be used in the body of Christ and, and why it truly is so important. So I want us to notice tonight just a few points about our role within the body of Christ. And I want to first of all say this uh, about it. Nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. Nobody can do everything. And that's the first point there, I think, on your handout. Nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. As I look at Nehemiah chapter 3, I can't help but notice that it was not all done by one man. Uh, Nehemiah didn't get the work done all by himself. Nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. And, and this is so true in the church as well. And I, I believe sometimes that uh, in this, uh, we, we as Christians and sometimes as believers and members of the body of Christ, uh, sometimes we believe some lies in this area. And I, I just want to kind of break them down. And, uh, you know, sometimes we don't get involved or we're not fulfilling our role uh, because of two specific lies that kind of go along with this thought. And the first lie I would say this, the pastor can do that so I don't have to. The pastor can do that, so I don't have to. Uh, have you ever thought that before? Maybe, again, I'm just too carnal that I've thought that, well, a pastor can do that. I, I don't have to. But that's a lie that too many people in the body of Christ truly do believe. I love our pastor to death, but he's not Superman. Uh, he, he can't do it all by himself. You know why? Because God didn't intend him to. God didn't intend the church to be all done by the pastor. If that was the case, then it wouldn't be a called out assembly. That's a group. It'd be a called out person, a pastor, and that'd be it. And he has and always will want made up of an assembly, a group of called out believers. And he has and always will want this to be a group effort. So don't believe the lie that one man can do it all because they can't. But another lie that some believe in this area is this. Well, I can't do all that others can do, so there's no place for me to serve. I can't, do, I can't preach, I can't teach, I can't sing, I can't walk, I can't smile, I can't do anything like that. So there's no place for me in the church. I'm just going to sit there and do nothing. Sometimes that's the lie that uh, we would hear. Can I, can I say this? This is a lie straight from the devil. Uh, it's, it's a lie to keep you from fulfilling your God-given purpose in the church. Uh, if you can't sing, then don't join the choir. <laughs> If you can't preach or teach, then don't sign up to teach a class, you know, but there is always something for you to do. Can you stand at a door and hand people a folded piece of paper? Great. Join the welcome team. Can you run a vacuum? Awesome. Join the cleaning team. Can you pray for the pastor and pray for the staff and all the ministries of the church? Awesome. Then do it. Uh, are you catching it? Just because something isn't seen does not mean that it isn't significant, uh, if all you can do is take the prayer sheet that you get every Thursday and pray for everything on that list every day, then do it. If all you can do is give in the offering plate when it comes by, then do it. And by the way, when I say if all you can do is, I'm not demeaning these acts. Sometimes that's really all that someone can do. But the size of the task that is accomplished for the church doesn't always match up with the significance of that task. Did you catch that? That sometimes the areas of serving that seem to be the smallest are what God uses in the biggest ways. I love that. That sometimes just the, 
all you can, you feel like it's nothing, but I'm just praying for the church every day, and yet that's what God uses to do a mighty work in and through the church. Don't ever see anything as insignificant. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, so let me just give you the second point, because because no task is insignificant, uh, we must know that everybody is somebody in the body. Everybody is somebody in the body. You are, as Pastor said on Sunday night, important. You are important to the body of Christ. Uh, I'm not going to belabor this point, but, but the church needs everyone. That includes you. You should be fulfilling your role within the church. Now, with that being said, there are some things that everybody is called to do in the church and some things that you are specifically equipped to do that others may not be equipped for. So I want to break those down for us a little bit tonight. So the first one would be that there are some things everybody is called to do within the church. Um, there are some things that every single person within Moses Lake Baptist Church and any local body of believers should be doing. No exceptions. If you're not doing these things, then you're not fulfilling your role in the church the way that God intended for you to. Well, what are some of these things? The first one I would say is this. Attend. Attend. We're encouraged in God's word to be in church. <laughs> I'm not going to go too long on this point because it's, it's Christianity 101, but we need to be in church faithfully. I know this is a Thursday night crowd, but, but even us sometimes can be like, well, I don't really feel like going. Well, I, I think we'll see in just a moment that when we don't, it's, it hurts the church. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner, manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We should continually be gathering together with other believers, not showing up just when we feel like it. If anything, we should be coming even more when we don't feel like it. Uh, that verse says, and so much the more. We should be faithfully attending church. Another thing that I think every uh, is very clear in Scripture that every single one of us should be doing here to fulfill our role is to sing. Amen. Now, I know I just transitioned out of being the music pastor, but this is still in my heart. Man, we are commanded in God's word to sing and praise the Lord when we're in church. Man, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It tells us that we need to be doing it. I love this word because the word admonishing is very similar to the word we saw, why we attend faithfully. In Hebrews 10, it says exhorting one another. Here, the reason we sing is to admonish one another. Both of these are to help the church. Do you see that in those verses? We attend to help the church. We sing, why? To help the church. We're supposed to do it. I think of uh, so many areas in Psalms, but one of my favorite is Psalm 149.1, where it's a command to sing in the congregation of the saints. It says, praise ye the Lord. That's a command. You praise the Lord. Next one is a, a, an understood you, taking you all the way back to like seventh grade English. There's not a subject in the, or in the sentence, so we know that it's you. So put you at the beginning of it. You sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise, and his is coming back to sing, so, and sing his praise in the congregation of the saints. That's a command from God. You sing in the congregation of the saints. We're supposed to be doing it. Uh, I, I'm just going to say this bluntly tonight. It, if you're not singing in church, 
you're sinning against God. <laughs> that may seem harsh, but, but it is so clearly commanded in Scripture to, for us to sing while gathered together. And the Psalms many times say that singing God's praise is good and comely and, and right. Uh, and the book of James says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if we know the word of God says sing in the congregation and we're not doing it, James pretty clearly says if you know it's right and you're not doing it, you're in sin. Does that make sense? Logically and biblically, I, I think I could say with surety that if you're not participating in the song service, you're, you're in sin. Now, it doesn't have to sound good. I, we say all the time, it, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It doesn't have to, <laughs> there you go. It doesn't have to sound good, but, but we, uh, and now it's great when it does sound good. I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, we have a music pastor that can sing, right? Brian can sing. I love it. Uh, if he couldn't, it'd be a little hard in here, right? <laughs> but I'm, I'm appreciative of those who lead the songs when they can sing. But if, if you're in the congregation, man, just obey the command to sing in the congregation of the saints. Another one that I, I think that we should all be doing is give. We should all be giving. We're supposed to consistently give to the work of the church, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So, then he goes on, every man. I don't know if you know what that word every means, but that's everybody. Every single person. According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. But it says everyone should be giving uh, from their heart cheerfully. Uh, we should each and every one of us be doing it. That's one of the ways that we uh, are, are admonishing and helping and encouraging the church is by giving. Uh, man, God has so many promises in his word that have to do with giving. But, but really, it comes down to this. He desires for us to do it. Uh, and th those are things that everyone should be doing in church. And, and if you're not doing one of them, it hurts the entire body. Uh, and we'll see that illustrated, like I said, in just a moment. But, but, you know, there are also some things that you are specifically equipped to do in the church that no one else can do. And that's, that, I don't know if there's a blanks there on that point. But there are some things that you are specifically equipped to do in the church. Did you know that you are the way you are for a reason? You know that? God's created you in a specific way with specific talents and specific interests and specific head knowledge so that you can fulfill a role in the church that no one else can fulfill. Each of us uh, are unique because each member of our body is unique. Uh, to go to the illustration of us being the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, the analogy is that each of us are our specific body part. We're members of the body of Christ. You know, each member on the body is unique, uh, and, and each member in the body of Christ is unique. They fulfill a specific purpose. You may be thinking, well, what am I specifically equipped to do in the church? What, what is my specific gifting that the Lord has given me in order to serve in my church. For, for those of you who may be thinking that, here, here's just some basic points that you could go over. I think these ones do have uh, some blanks. Some things that you can maybe ask yourself to find out 
what has God equipped me to do in the church? And I would say, look, first of all, uh, at the point of ease. Ease. What comes easy to you? What comes naturally to you? Um, what, what, do you, what are you naturally good at? And that might be an indicator of what God might want you to use for his glory uh, in the local church. I think of the next one, enjoyment. What do you like doing? What brings a smile to your face? If kids don't bring a smile to your face, do not sign up for VBS. I'm just saying, okay? I'm, I'm, we, you are made the way you are for a specific purpose, some people in here, that's the only thing that brings a smile to their face is children. It just brings them so much joy. Well, that might be an indicator that they should be in children's ministry or helping out in some way with VBS and those different things. I, 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 I don't think Robert would be a youth pastor if he didn't like the youth, right? Okay? Maybe he would. I know. I'm just kidding. But, uh, but you, you, you look at what you enjoy. What do you like doing? I think of excitement. What is it that you are passionate about? What, what is it that just, man, when, when that ex exact uh, kind of activity happens at the church, you get excited. You're ready to, for that to take place. Well, instead of just being ready for it to take place, maybe get involved in it taking place and the preparation for it. Just uh, think about what excites you. What are you passionate about? I think of experience. What has God given you the opportunity to do? Uh, you know, sometimes God allows us opportunities outside of church uh, to grow us in an area that we can use within the church. And so think of some ways that God might, some opportunities that God has given you to uh, show, show your talents or, or uh, do what you uh, naturally do, what comes easy to you and what you enjoy. I think of also effectiveness. What are you doing that has God's blessings upon it? Uh, what, what in your life that you seem to be doing is just something that God seems to always bless when you do that? Uh, that could be an indicator that he wants to bless you by doing it in the church. Uh, th these are just some things that, that can get you on the right track. Uh, now, I'm not going to say whatever you do, uh, you're supposed to be doing in the church is going to line up with every single one of those, but I, I'd say this would be a very great way to just get you on the right track of when, what does God have for me within my local church? Uh, well, why is that all important? Well, because as we learned on Sunday night, each member of the body represents the body as a whole. And if one of the members is gone or not in its proper place, then it reflects bad on what the body as a whole represents, which we know as the church to be Jesus Christ. Um, how do we know this? Because the Bible calls us, uh, the church, the body of Christ. And I want us to see this illustrated kind of in a visual way tonight. Um, I want to introduce you to Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head. I don't know how many of you ever had one of these things growing up. I had one, and I asked my mom if they still had it, and I think they threw it in the trash. So I bought myself a new one. Uh, but <clears throat> Mr. Potato Head. And for the, for the sake of this illustration, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want us to think that Mr. Potato Head, okay, it represents the body of Christ. He represents the body of Christ. And all of his members, the, the different pieces of him, okay, represent us as members of the body of Christ. Okay, so let's just say, Leo, you're this ear, all right? You're this ear right there. <laughs> Have you ever thought, what, man, what member of the body of Christ am I? I've always thought that I was the hair because my hair 
is steadfast, unmovable, always bound. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just totally kidding right there. But, you know, for the sake of illustration, each one of these members, sorry, that was bad. Uh, sorry, the, each one of these members of Mr. Potato Head, it, it represents one of us in the church. Uh, in order to look the way that Mr. Potato Head is supposed to, all of his members have to be in the right place. First of all, they have to be in a place, um, and they have to be in the right place, and I, I want us to see that. If we are all in our place and fulfilling the roles that we're supposed to, then the body of Christ is represented well the way it's supposed to look. Now, what happens if I decide that I don't, I don't like the songs that we're singing today, and so I'm not going to sing and worship the Lord today? Let's say I'm the nose, just because that seems to be something that you guys might be able to see from back there. Uh, so I'm not going to sing and worship the Lord today, so I, I just didn't show up in my role to sing well, it, it reflects on the body of Christ and how, how he's supposed to look uh, if we're not fulfilling our roles. Uh, I think of some of our people that go door knocking on a consistent basis, like Danny, Leo, Mike, and, uh, and there, there's others as well. But the Bible, I love how it says, how beautiful are the feet, you know, of them that carry the gospel. And, and so what if they just decided not to go anymore? What if they just decided they're not going to fulfill their role of going out anymore. Well, now body of Christ can't stand in this illustration. What if a few people decide that church attendance isn't really that important and they don't show up for a week and then later it becomes a few weeks and then a few months and now they're not in church altogether. And now the body of Christ doesn't really look like the body of Christ because the people aren't fulfilling the roles that they're supposed to. Uh, do you get it? I, I even think about this. Um, not just that they should be in a place, but they should be in the right place. <laughs> I, I use Danny as an illustration, because me and him joke all the time, and Pastor does too. Uh, because we all know that Danny likes to sing, but he can't worth a lick. <laughs> God has not specifically gifted him, and he knows God has not specifically gifted him to fulfill a role like his wife to be a choir member. But for the sake of illustration, let's say Danny was persistent to uh, be in choir, uh, even though that's not what God specifically made him to do. And so he puts himself in a position where he's not supposed to really be serving in the church. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you could do this but, and, and say with this, but uh, you know, I think a lot of times that sometimes people... Uh, they desire to fulfill the roles that seem most important in the church, uh, you know, that, that like are singing or preaching or teaching, things that are in front of people. Uh, but if God hasn't equipped you to do that, then, then you're a member that's out of its place if you're fulfilling that role. And, and if people are doing all kinds of things that they weren't, uh, they weren't designed to do, and they're all kind of just wherever they want to serve... It doesn't reflect well on the body of Christ because you're not in the right place. It does, it's not just good enough to be in a place, but to be in the right place when it comes to serving in the local church. Each of us, in order to represent the body of Christ well, uh, we have to be in a place, but we also have to be in the right place. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, Brother Micah, I, I know what my role is, and I'm fulfilling it here in Moses Lake Baptist Church. Can I encourage you in this way? Keep it up. Uh, keep it up. The church needs you in your place. If you found it, 
then have that as your place. The, the body of Christ needs you to serve in that. Uh, if you're here still maybe wondering what your role is, can I encourage you in this way? Never stop searching until you find it. Why? Because the body of Christ needs you in that place. Uh, there is something for every single person to do. And before I close, I just want to say this. Don't be that guy. And I want you to notice in Nehemiah chapter 3 something with me. Look at verse 5 if you're still there. Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 5 says, And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. Throughout this entire chapter, there's only one set of people that are pointed out for what they didn't do in the work. Can I say it again? Don't be that guy. Don't be the one that God looks down on at MLBC and says, yep, they're all there singing to me. Well, except for that guy. <laughs> you know, like, don't be that guy. Except for that lady. They're, uh, they're all doing the work I've called for them to do. They're in their place uh, teaching kids class. They're in their place greeting. They're in their place praying before the service. They're in their place singing. Uh, except for that person. Don't be that person uh, that, that is known for not being a part of the work here. Man, get on board. God is doing something amazing. I think of Nehemiah and all these people putting their hands to the work. They built this wall in 52 days. That is just, if the Lord does bless with like a property and a building and all of that, if we got it up in 52 days, that would be like headline news kind of thing, okay? Church building going up in 52 days, whoa. That's a fast amount of time to get not just a building. They built up city walls, an entire city wall uh, in 52 days. And it, it, it's going to be hard. Uh, as I said earlier, when God wants to do something amazing, if uh, we're all doing our part and God is just gearing us up to do something awesome, uh, Satan's going to attack. He's going to come at us. But, but can I tell you this? We have a God, just as I said before we got to chapter 3, we have a God who is so much more powerful than Satan. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so just keep your hand to the plow, find your role in the church, and fulfill it. Because we represent the body of Christ to the outside world and, and to really anyone who's looking at the body. Uh, if we're not fulfilling our roles, we're not representing the body of Christ well. So fulfill your role, and let's be, as I, I pastor ended on Sunday night, let's be steadfast in it. Let's be faithful in it. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.